And hello, welcome back to the Age of Empires Definitive Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Robert, and I am joined today by Jack. How's it going, Jack? Hello, Robert, and uh, hello, everyone. Yes, yes, I suppose hello, everyone. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, with, with how, with how uh, I guess, di- you know, changing schedules are, uh, Chris wasn't able to make it, but don't worry, Chris will be back, uh, you know, whether it's earlier or later. Uh, I think it's nice that we now have a third member, so... Uh, that should definitely help out. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll rotate. We'll, we'll kind of play it around, uh, make sure that everyone's able uh, to make it in. And, and, you know, maybe we'll have, you know, one day we'll have the three-person cast, you know, the, the, uh, the, all good things happen. In That's the dream team, stuff. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so Jack, maybe, maybe at the start of this episode, what we can do is actually just have you introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, I, I, as some of you may have noticed last episode, I did um, kind of reach out and saying, Hey, if there's anybody that, one you know has a little more experience a little more game knowledge uh, that would like to be on the show to reach out and jack was the one who did so uh here you are yep so i'm from england i play under the name egg i'm a relatively new player uh, i was just looking for my history my first ranked game was in may of 2020 uh i've since been able to climb up to 1700 which puts you at rank uh at the moment 775 in mm. in the uh, in the world um so it's been uh, quite a come up for me obviously a lot to learn it's a very kind of exciting game i think perfect opportunity to get into it now you know there's a lot going on there's a great competitive scene and i think it's uh, really growing partly because of podcasts like this well if, yeah thank you thank you for uh, for shouting us out uh i yeah actually speaking i guess of the podcast um you know last time i was thanking everyone for our response to our first like little 20 minute episode uh i can now say that the listenership has doubled for each of our episodes compared to that first episode so uh i am i kind of overwhelmed by the uh the support that we've been getting uh i know i did like the original i guess version of this podcast was just me trying to play aoe and kind of following the campaigns uh as just something i was doing you know to motivate me in some ways to to, to play through all the campaigns uh because as great as they are uh I don't know if any if you've played AOE one campaigns, uh, they can get a little bit repetitive. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, Copy so paste, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, that was the original thing, and then uh, yeah, I guess two months ago now, uh, we or I guess in November really we we started this show, and uh, and I'm very happy with the response. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we can keep that going. Um, I guess right off the bat, there's a few announcements that I have, kind of not pertaining to the game itself. Uh, but pertaining to, I guess, uh, the podcast or, or, or us. Um, so one of them is that we, I'm making a Discord. Um, by no means, this is a new Discord. It, I literally made it today. So I'm going to throw the link in there if you want to hop in, talk, and, and whatever. Uh, we'll see if we can kind of try, try to draw or grow a community a little bit. Um, that might be fun. Uh, I know I do this with my other podcast. So, uh, you know, hopefully it grows and it's nice because maybe you can find people that, are willing to play and stuff and so that'll be nice and and it it, it looks really basic right now uh, the discord server but i'm totally fine with that uh until you know people start joining uh but yeah the discord link will be in the show notes so you can do that uh, another thing that i also want to mention was that on december the 29th um i'll be streaming some aoe definitive edition so if you want to see how bad i am and make fun of me uh you can join me on december 29th uh and that starts at 8 a.m. Eastern time, which for our, I guess, UK-based listeners would be, 
math math on error right did we say uh, it's five, we're five hours ahead i think yeah so so yeah. that would be about 1 p.m uh general more gmt so summer 29th if any if anyone wanted it's a, it's gonna be a one day stream a one-time thing uh so if you want to tune in and make fun of me uh that'll be that um yeah and i just thought i'd mention it because i was gonna you know i was gonna stream whether there was one viewer or five so uh, maybe it can be seven, you know, maybe <laughs> who know who knows how many people uh, will be out. And, and you know, I, I've been, um, I guess, experimenting with with streaming. And so uh, I don't usually stream AOE, but I'll I'll definitely do that in that one day. So I thought I'd mention it here. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the uh, what's it called? The business side of things for the podcast, the discord, the Twitch stream. Um, and then we can kind of jump right into it. You ready for that? Spawn. Yeah, let's crack on. Okay. Uh, the first thing I want to mention was actually the Tatar changes, um, which I did not find a link to. I was looking through all the balance updates and I couldn't yep. find the exact link. And I believe the two v two World Cup didn't mention them, uh, but maybe you know a little bit it, more. It about featured. Them. It featured the. Uh, it featured the Tatars. Um, the cha- I'd actually say they're borderline broken now. They went from probably <laughs> uh, C tier to I'd definitely say they're S tier now. So kind of a top tier sieve um especially in 1v1 uh so the, mm-hmm. the main changes were that town centers spawn two sheep starting in the feudal age and mm-hmm. so your main tc that gives you two sheep and then every subsequent tc you build you get two sheep uh what that lets you do is it lets you fast castle for instance on a map like arena uh without having to put down any farms at all mm-hmm. and then you get a very very smooth transition into say a free tc boom uh, again, because you don't have to put down the farms. Interesting. That's great. That's great. I think definitely as because uh, you know Chris and I haven't really mentioned it, we haven't really gone over sieves. Um, I think one of the things that will probably become a staple of our podcast, especially with you on here, is uh, every. I think what we'll do is probably you know starting starting next month is every month we'll take like one or two sieves and just kind of go over them, like their yeah. strengths and weaknesses and which maps you should use them on. I think that'll probably be a good thing to go over. Um, that's the one thing that I haven't touched on. And maybe that's also an expectation that if you're playing the game casually, I'm going to be honest, I think I think your ability to manage a mass amount of things going on is probably more important than the sieve itself in a sure. lot of cases. Sure. Uh, especially as you're starting out. I'm, I'm sure when you get to those... Uh, you know, to those higher levels than, uh, you know, actually... Well, it's, the drafting, it's the drafting that makes the top level game so interesting. Mm-hmm. Whereas at, probably at a lower level, it's it's less significant because it's your your weaknesses. But at the top level, because they play so well, the sieve strengths kind of can d- decide a matchup, right? For sure, for sure. And and it's, yeah, it's I guess when you have a sieve that's underpowered and you win, where, where that's, the, that's a big upset a lot of the time too, right? Oh, enormous, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's something that I'm sure we'll we'll get into more details. But yes, it looks like Tatars are now S tier according to our expert here. Uh, so so I guess keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. I think there's a lot of things that I'll mention when we go when we go into. It. We're gonna do a more in depth recap of the World Cup finals uh, later on in the show. So when we get into that, I think I'll I'll have a lot of strategy type questions or things I notice uh, that I I don't do in my own games, but. Uh, I'll talk about uh, when we get to it. Um, yeah. So, is there anything other big changes except for the two sheep? Um, you know? For Tatars, nothing. Uh, nothing particularly comes to mind. Uh, I think the main thing is kind of the they get the two sheep, but because they've got 
they are a herding bonus sieve, it's actually equivalent to free sheep for any other sieve. Mm-hmm. Because that's the plus 50% food that they get from her- herdables. And they get oh. a massive power spike once they get to Castlage, once they get the crossbow, because they get a free farm ring. Um, they got a massive power spike. Their only weakness is they have to transition out of crossbow because they don't get arbalest. So they have to trans- that's when you mm-hmm. see like, the, the cavalry. Is arbalest the one that destroys the buildings really quickly? Um, depends on the sieve. So you saw that mm-hmm. a lot in, uh, in the World Cup. You saw it with two sieves. The first is Mayans. Because they get mm-hmm. um, the tech, their unique tech lets their uh, crossbows kind of shred um, shred buildings. But the other ones who get it as well, you saw it with Saracens. So that's a mm-hmm. built-in bonus to the Civ is that the Saracens do um, bonus damage to all buildings, um, so they can just shred. Um, but in general, archers are not good against buildings. But with those two Civs, they become like siege. Mm, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, I. <laughs> I feel like I could just let you go off on like uh, rants, and I'm sure you will throughout this episode. Yeah, you have to rein me in. Rein me in. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm I'm ready for like okay, here's every all the knowledge. But I mean, that the hope is that you know over the course of, of multiple podcasts, what we can we can make the knowledge a little more consumable. But I'm sure this will be nice as well for for more experienced players because they can uh, they can actually you know they can nod along to you more yep. than they nod along to us. Uh, Okay, two more things I want to mention about the game itself. Uh, things things that have changed in the game. There's the winter festival event that's happening until January first, so you have a couple a week or so if you want those rewards and, and I think uh, decorations. Uh, you know, you can have snowman at arms, so that's that's cute. That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's one of the big things. The other one is an expansion. Lords of the West will be coming to AOE Definitive Edition. Uh, yeah. and it will feature a number of things the first of which is uh, two new civilizations uh, the Bur- Burgundians Bur- Burgundians uh, yeah. and the Sicilians uh, so maybe do you have any kind of first reactions to these civs yeah. um, uh, if you take a look at them yeah. my first reaction to the Burgundians and that's the main one I've looked at is they just seem broken again <laughs> um, it's hard to obviously it's hard to judge until you see any civ in action Um so a lot of people thought the Tatar extra sheep wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's proved to be massive. But off, straight off the bat, um, I think economic upgrades available one age earlier than other civs. That's mm-hmm. going to be a game changer. So that's things like getting Bitax in Dark Age. Now, Bitax is an enormous economic upgrade. All of the wood up, wood upgrades are the, kind of the biggest upgrades and most must-have upgrades in the game. To have it in Dark Age, uh, especially on maps like Arena, where you're not going to be pressured, where you want to boom, enormous. Um there's also even strats like you could get handcart in Dark Age. It's hard to say if oh, it'll be good or not. Um, but it, this is kind of, for me, reminiscent of the Cumin Civ being introduced to the game, where you get the TC that one age earlier, and the the different strats and the wealth of strats that come with that. And then finally, the the other Civ bonus they get is uh, Fallen Knights return 50% of their gold cost. That seems absolutely broken. So uh, a knight is kind of... Um, 75 gold so to get 30 gold back every time a knight dies Mm. this is enormous so for me i almost see like you do a mini dark age boom if you can maybe drush fast castle go and then just go something like free stable knights and just pump knights into the enemy base (laughs) being that's probably the first strat once they get released to the game i'll try out and uh, see how see how dominant it is I'm just waiting for the never-ending line of knights that just keep wave after wave crashing into you because because they they're just like well we'll get fifty percent and if gold you kill them so. you just give them gold back you know to yeah, make yeah. more yeah. Uh, what about this? Uh, do you like the Flemish Revolution? The uh, 
the upgrades uh, all existing villagers to Flemish militia. Yeah, this reminds me of a tech in Age of Mythology, which was called Ragnarok, um, okay. which could, could again like converts all militia into military units. Um, in that game, in Age of Mythology, it's pretty strong tech. Um, you'd have to the, the, you have to reboom after it, obviously, um, mm. but it could be good for you know, especially on maps like. Maps where it ends up into a massive endless war like Oasis or Black Forest. To use that, get to get your big push behind that to push through and say destroy their trade route, and then mm -hmm. reboom behind that could be pretty strong. Um, so again, that's that's just adding to me that this seems straight away like the best sim in the game. I mean, I imagine with an expansion, they want this always happens when when games start introducing expansions. Is they want you to play the new sibs, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the ways to do that is to increase this. Um, how about the Sicilians? Let's look at the Sicilians. Then I have something I want to say about uh, expansions in general. But yes, uh, yeah. Sicilians. What what are your first kind of reactions to Sicilians here? Harder to read um, what the civil do. So got to say an infantry civilization. I think the big tech that people were bringing up was that land military units absorb thirty three percent of all incoming bonus damage. Um, okay. So. People were saying this will really affect things like mangonel. So at the moment, a mangonel one-shots mm. another mangonel. Uh, but with this sieve, they won't. And it's that kind of thing. This is one where I struggle to, until I see it in action, um, I kind of struggle to see um, to see exactly how strong. This is more of a one where I'll have to kind of wait and see before I can form an opinion. The uh, castles and town centers are constructed 100% faster. That's definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, again, really helpful for a boom there. Um, but until I see the whole tech tree and stuff, it's hard to see uh, if they're a good late game civ or not, you know. Yeah. Ooh, and then a first crusade upon researching each town center spawns a one-time group of seven sergeants. So you can, if you have a bunch of town centers, all of a sudden you can have an army. That's interesting. Right, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um... I think yeah, I think they're definitely it's it's nice that the sub bonuses do feel different though, yeah. Um, because you'll look at some of the sub bonus sometimes with the amount of sibs that are in the game, and it's like this is very similar to some other ones, right? Uh, so it feels it feels like they're trying to be as unique as they can with these two uh, new expansions. Another big thing for for maybe some of the uh, the campaign players uh, is three new uh, campaigns, fully voiced. So that's also very nice. Um, so you can uh, you can definitely take a look at those. Will you be doing a playthrough? I can do a playthrough. Why not? Uh, that, that actually awesome. is a smart idea. I might, I might do a playthrough, and uh, if not Twitch, maybe do some YouTube content. We'll see. That's something I'll, uh, I'll save till th this won't happen probably before we release the next episode. So, should I do a playthrough? Then uh, yeah, maybe I can maybe make some YouTube content out of that. Um, mostly because because YouTube's I feel a lot easier. You can you can chunk it a lot better than a Twitch stream, right? You can do thirty minutes of YouTube recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over over like oh 30 minute twitch stream that's kind of it's kind of interesting yeah it has to be a marathon on twitch doesn't it yeah exactly exactly um it's a great idea I, you're giving me great ideas here I, I wanted to mention maybe maybe one of the things that i'm curious about and i don't know exactly but will this once again split the base game from the expansion meaning when you're playing ranked um the only the people who have the expansion are able to or like you can only, you can choose to whether you want to play expansion or like the base game or do you think maybe it's going to be like if you have the expansion you can play the new civs and those who don't can't what do, what do you think about uh that <laughs> i would say from a from a business point of view yeah it it should be 
pay to get those sieves. Um, so you can play well, you against them. You can still them, play against people who don't sieve. Okay, I think that's the correct way to go about it as well from a, even not business, I mean business, I think anyone who plays the game can spend the you know $10 that we're looking at here. Oh yeah, I mean, I want to support the game. I want to spend money game. on it. I want to grow it. Um, I think they need revenue streams. I want this, you know, this game to get bigger. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I, this. this is kind of the same thing that a lot of games are doing right now where they have those like, uh, I, I guess like seasons and stuff and you have like a season pass. And it's kind of like a, it feels like a streaming service kind of model a little bit. So I imagine that's what's going to happen with Age of Empires to kind of keep the game going is to yeah. have these regular expansions. And I think most people are going to be like, well, I really enjoy this game. I want it to grow, so I'll probably pay it. Um, but yeah. I guess the one thing I was worried about more than anything was if they split it. The one th the one thing they can't do is, you know, you already have a player base that's, you know, AO AOE well, 1, AOE 2, right, yeah. AOE 3. I mean, AOE 2 is definitely where everything kind of congregates i feel um but the one thing you wouldn't want to do is now have like oh the expansion players the non-expansion players uh i imagine that ranked will still just be oh okay the people who have the expansion can use those civs and those who don't can't uh but they'll still be playing on the same ranked kind of server and i think that's the way to go because as soon you know imagine we have another expansion in six months or a year right correct yeah, <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you want to keep splitting the game up over and over i think that would be bad in the long run uh yeah so that's that's i guess my final thoughts on that um but yeah uh that, that's really cool um hmm. yeah lords of the west uh 26th of january you can pre-order uh so that that is the next kind of bit of news um all right with that uh what i wanted to get into right now was maybe your uh you know one thing that we do regularly is our aoe experience this is the last time we spoke um so maybe we'll start with you because i know you play probably a lot more regularly than i do <laughs> So what's maybe some of those things on your mind that you're playing a lot of, uh, or maybe some, some like a really close game you had recently or something like that. Uh, if you can, if you can talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of arena recently, not by choice. I've been queuing a lot of, uh, just ranked, um, kind of multiplayer games. Um, so, and playing arena is kind of its, its own skill set, and you kind of have to, you have to learn uh, specific build orders. So one I did recently um, was to try out the Siege Tower, right? And that's actually a unit I've never made until until this game. Um, mm. And so the build was obviously kind of fast castle. Everyone fast castles on Arena unless you're trushing. And I was playing Celts, and then I got out kind of uh, six crossbowmen. You get the... Uh, and then you bring your Siege Tower... And you send the six six crossbowmen into the enemy base. And this was against like an Aztec player who's going to go monk push, um, monk push on our flank. So I did a good job of delaying him, delaying a castle. Um, that kind of kind of let us boom. Unfortunately, Aztec monk push. The the push from flank is Aztec monks and trebs, um, mm -hmm. and it actually ended up just being unstoppable. Even though I managed to delay him. Um, so this was kind of a 4v4 team game. I was playing with the kind of Great Britain on the Great Britain server, um, Team GB. Uh, <laughs> tough game, tough game. Uh, unfortunately, we took the L on that one. Um, that was kind of the first time I tried out that strat. I recommend it to everyone. It's a lot of fun. Um, so give that one a go. Nice, nice. Um, and do you feel like, because you, you started playing, you said in May, and you've already kind of increased a lot. I'm sure you're playing a lot, which 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 helps oh, yeah. with that kind of uh, global ranking, shall we say. Um, do you feel like there's a 
I don't know. I feel like sometimes when you're playing a lot of rank, you kind of start getting the ebb and flows of what a lot of players are doing. Is there some strat that you've kind of been noticing, especially if you're playing 1v1 games, uh, that, that you noticed is more prevalent than others, per se? And I, I don't want to get into specific maps, but maybe like yeah. there's a certain thing that you, you encounter more than anything else. <laughs> yeah. So if you're queuing ranked, like nine, unless you ban it, 95% of your games will be on Arabia. And I think Arabia is just the cornerstone of age of empires 2 and i think it's what the game's kind of built around and balanced around mm. now the dominant strat um for me is drush and then it used to drush into archers um is kind of a really really dominant and uh, probably the strongest way to play i think drush is the strongest strategy just so, that, so the listeners know um that's where you make free militia in dark age and send them forward um, and it kind of delays your opponent and also means you get a bigger eco advantage before you go up. Okay. Can I just, sorry, can I just mention that that's something that I noticed rewatching the, the best of seven series is that yeah, a lot of rushing, right? rush was very popular. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of my obser- observation skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is the meta I'd say is, you know, the, as if you're playing, if you're an archer sieve, you mm-hmm. open with a drush. There are other alternatives. You can open man at arms. Um, but I, I would say Drush at the moment is the is the meta. A hundred percent. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll mention maybe my my experience because I think it amuses people uh, at what I'm playing at. Yeah. Uh, I I think I played a couple of ranked games, but the one that sticks in my mind is uh, I think I think I'm actually too high MMR wise. Like I I. What are you up to? Well, I'm, I'm at whatever the starting one. I think it starts around yeah. a thousand, right? Yeah, correct. So, so I think it's slightly high for for where I should be, um, mostly because yeah. There, listen, if you if you end up tuning up to my stream, you, you're just gonna be yelling at your screen the whole time. I, I can guarantee you that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but uh, what I will say is, I essentially I just went full aggro. I think I didn't have that much time, right? So I decided to, to something something akin to, to barracks and archer range. Or I like barracks. it, yep. Uh, from weaker um, players, beginning players, I think taking an aggressive strategy, I think you learn more, you take the initiative. I think it's the way to go. It's a lot more fun too, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, as someone who's, who's uh, you know, uh, what is it, 10 years ago, or maybe, maybe a little less, but almost 10 years ago now, uh, you know, dived into StarCraft 2 and, and, you know, remembered practicing builds over and over again right just just like learning builds and making sure that they're, they're perfect um if i'm just trying to have fun with the game it's a lot more fun to just be like okay build aggressive units and attack uh so i i had him on the back foot i actually i think i i was pretty much top like i felt really good because i got a lot of his villagers and everything um but m- i guess my one problem was as soon as they went into their tc uh <laughs> yeah it was like Okay, I'm gonna stay here and like you know deny them resources because they're stuck in their TC by like just running around, right? Um, but as soon as he was able to clear it up, so like I delayed him for like three minutes. Uh, the guy clearly had more experience than me because he ended up going up when it comes to like resource, yeah, uh, way quicker than I did because I was so aggressive and I didn't do enough, I guess, to to really beat him. Um, so yeah, he kind of counter tower pushed with with a whole bunch of units because i think he built units because he was expecting me to keep attacking and i kind of did and i'd been winning a couple battles but i think overall in this game especially unit production is just so important uh being able to continuously produce units at a faster rate than your opponent and have enough resources to keep that up yeah yeah. Um, it's the eco it's the eco behind 
It's the eco behind the push that's always the tricky one. Uh, you don't want to kind of idle your opponent's eco and then go back to your base and just see the entire base idle. You've not completed <laughs> any villages. Um, so then you're in kind of as bad situation as he is. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I, yeah, I ended up getting uh, trampled, but I was pretty happy with, uh, I think I was able to stop, like hit two different tower pushes kind of uh, in different areas, kind of going towards my base. So I was able to stop them. Uh, but eventually, uh, and he even, he even gave me a, a good game, nice defense because because i i think i held on longer than he expected yeah. um but but overall i think over time i think he had uh you know f four times more units than me so it was a lot of me holding out to the end i think i built like three stables and was, was just using scouts uh, and hiding my town center and i think i think i lasted about like three waves right just yeah. barely uh and then but eventually yeah he, he got his towers far enough i, I was pretty happy with it though uh, i think that's another I guess um uh I guess another thing that that I that I can I guess accept about this game is because I'm not so serious losses don't matter to me too much more more important than anything is how fun, how much fun I'm having right so oh, yeah. as long as the game's close and I don't feel like I'm just getting stomped on uh, stomped on uh, I I can enjoy it um not not to say I don't want to win obviously I want to win but I take much more out of a game like that where I feel like there's a lot going on and I'm having fun as opposed to like uh oh I just got crushed or uh, you know, you just run in and and you win right away. Um, although in this particular case, I guess I kind of had to win right right away if I wanted to win it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess that was that was my my most recent experience. Um, I yeah, I, I definitely don't play enough to feel like I'll probably improve, um, but I am enjoying it and I'm watching. So I think yeah, know, and I think I think you can pick up you can pick up a lot of stuff watching uh, watching mm -hmm. these top level games watching um then you're able then to kind of implement in your own game you know um okay i guess the the next thing i want to talk about real quick here um as we're kind of getting into the esports side of things is the uh red bull red bull wololo uh cup three signups are open uh and that that tournament will be happening january 16th to the 24th on the weekends um i guess it's kind of nice that that it feels like aoe has regular tournaments happening every month or so uh, and on top of that, they tend to happen on the weekends, which means a lot more people can play in them as well as watch. So, uh, so I think that's great. Uh, I've linked the kind of YouTube, YouTube little this great cinematic that they have for it uh, in in the notes. Uh, so, so yeah, there's going to be a lot, a lot of links in the notes. If, if any of the things that we talk about, uh, you want to, you know, want I guess uh, take a look at yourself, it'll be linked to the notes. And the other thing that actually um, was revealed at the end of the 2v2 world cup was the hidden cup number four uh the qualifiers will be in february and the main event will be in march uh of 2021 uh with t90's twitch channel uh which i think we've mentioned a million times but it's kind of it's kind of where it's at uh, oh it's a big so. yeah and that's actually kind of how i got started in age of empires and how mm -hmm. i met everyone was on the t90 discord server uh, we always used to play kind of team games there uh, and that's where I think I've kind of picked up my skills. So yeah, T90 is just an enormous part of the community. You can't get away from him. It's kind of interesting how like you know T90, and I think uh, th there's the um, Neo Neho, the German. Oh, Nil. Yeah. Nil, Nil, Nil. Uh, he he's pretty big oh, too. Nilly, so, so. it's Nilly, isn't it? Yeah. Nilly, Nilly. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if, if there's, I guess, if you want to kind of follow the competitive scenes and follow these tournaments, I definitely recommend uh, subscribing to their Twitch and probably their Twitters as well. Uh, that's that's a good way i know there's the website like AO, aoe zone or whatever um but it's 
I mean, I, I've mentioned this before, but but sometimes it's a little like 2005 for me, you know? <laughs> oh, what these? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I for agree. whatever for whatever reason, like I accept Liquipedia looking the way it does, but like AOE Zone, I don't know. I'm saying if there was a Liquipedia AOE thing, I probably would end up pulling it more. Uh, but maybe that's just my bias. Um, all right. With that, with I, I like how I always try to include something that that can just get someone who's like a diehard fan to just 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 be a little irritated on me, you know, just to turn on you, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, let's get into I guess the main event of uh, the podcast today, um, the two v two World Cup. Uh, it was a best of seven grand final. It's a three thousand dollar tournament, three thousand dollars plus. I think there was some so like subscriber money going to the tournament pool so that that also kind of helped oh yeah i think uh, it's great in that um but yeah i've got it down as the the winning team took 7.2k mm-hmm. uh, which is you know that's a nice that's a nice payday isn't it they put in yeah, the work yeah. they've earned it you know but uh i'm sure they'll be happy with their winnings L- listen the, the reality is that i think there's maybe you know 10 players that can be like full-time pros in this game like that's that's the reality where we live in um but for a lot of people it's it's part-time and that's totally fine right no oh, yeah. uh, that you're 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 you, this is your thing your, your hobby right your, your other thing uh that you're doing you but you're probably working as well uh, so it, that kind of that's kind of cool though that that um it feels like the prize pools are getting bigger and i think that will entice you know maybe get a couple more uh more i think we'll see that with the hidden cup where they were kind of mm. showing the figures um i wouldn't be surprised if the the prize pool for the hidden cup was north of fifty thousand. Yeah, and with Microsoft sponsoring it too, right? It seems like Microsoft is is all the way, and you know, I imagine with the expansion that's coming out, if 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 we have like a solid, I think there's about twenty thousand people, if I were to guess, that's that watch regularly, like that are watching the competitive scene. Sure. Um, I imagine double that play, like on average, I would say, um, you know, to a lesser and 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 greater and lesser extent. Um, but I think it would be, it'd be, it'd be great to kind of see that community grow. And I think if anything, AOE has a, uh, definitely an advantage when it comes to watchability. Um, meaning I think if people, I think there in... are people who are, who mm. don't play, but they watch. Mm. I genuinely I, think I there's, a, there's a good <laughs> number of people who are there, you know, they're, they're watching zero empires on YouTube. Um, they, they haven't got the game or they used to play it. Um, but they're just watching that just for the content, for the, the enjoyment, you know? And I think RTS has that to it, right? I think the RTS genre has that to it. That unlike every other game, I will say, while the playability may at times be a factor when it comes to playing the game, the watchability definitely stays, right? Like, I, um, it, it's a lot harder to get into it sometimes, especially if you're playing ranked right away or something, or you don't know what you're doing. Uh, but when you when you kind of get into it, um, I think you'll enjoy watching a lot. So that's I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to have. Uh, that kind of viewability factor because uh, a lot of games for instance i mean i don't know if you ever tried to watch an overwatch match but as fun as that game can be sometimes uh watching is a lot harder <laughs> so yeah yeah uh, uh yeah that, that's that's it's good to have that kind of that kind of aspect all right uh before i get into the finals which you know spoiler alert here i mean i imagine anyone listening to this episode has already uh figured out the finals or is expecting us to spoil it <laughs> Uh, but I'll, I'll throw that uh, spoiler in there. Um, the finals was Norway A, so uh, the Viper and MBL, or I'll just say Viper and MBL, uh, versus China A, which was Mr. Yo and Lix. Um, yeah, before I get into that, do you have any comments, Jack, on the um, 
I guess the the semifinals or any other games yeah. in the tournament leading up to it. Yeah. So something I always do in my head is what I call Age of Empires two maths, and it's not very. <laughs> uh, it's never very accurate. It's a bit like uh, um, UFC maths, but the the logic had it that um, so obviously Norway beat Spain four two, and China beat Brazil four one. So I was trying to gauge how strong the the final would be, what the result of the final would be, based on the result of the third place match. Um, now, obviously, Spain took that uh, took that set against Brazil completely clean. Um, so in my head, there because because China lost that match to Brazil, Norway appeared appeared to be to be the stronger stronger team there. Um, obviously, that's a bit of you know conjecture, uh, and then obviously we saw in the actual result of the game, um, that's not quite how it how it played out, did it? No, no, and I I can just I'm just going to mention this right now. Uh, you know, you could say, you can talk about best players or like who's better than who, uh, but when it comes to entertaining players, uh, the, the, the entertainer of the tournament, I'm going to give that to Lix, uh, cause no matter what happened, you know, you know, something was happening when Lix was, Lix was playing. Uh, he liked to get aggressive. He liked to, like to have a lot of things happening. Oh, absolutely. Uh, He's like an even more sneaky version of, uh, of NBL, you know, NBL is famous for his, uh, for his laming, um, and for being, I mean, I think T90 actually literally called him a cockroach. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, in these games, uh, there's no doubt Lix was on another level. And for me, for sure. honestly, he was the he was the MVP of uh, of that team. I yeah, like no matter what, Yo is a is a player that you don't want to contend with, right? Like he's a, he's a he's a solid. Oh no, he's an he's a, he's an incredible carry, and he did carry them. Um, but it was it's Lix that made that space. Yeah, mm. he made that space. He puts in the work. His job isn't just to kind of take down one player. He takes down both the Viper and BL. He keeps them down. He keeps them behind, and just buys the time for Mister Yo to become a monster. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and yeah, let's let's get into that finals then. Uh, while we're here, um, or the, like I guess I guess hold on, hold on. Just one thing: Did you expect Spain Brazil maybe to have been in this final? Any of those teams over over these? Teams? No, I think I think it's pretty clear the, the favourites. Um, I mean, everyone knows Norway is particularly strong, especially from a. I know again it doesn't count, but if you look at the elos, like the top elos in the rank system right now, number one is was the Viper, then it was MBL two his second account, and then it was MBL. So his individual <laughs> players like. Norway has the two strongest individual players, um, mm. and again, I, I feel like China had a had a harder way coming up. The the had a had a harder mm. bracket. Um, firstly, they have to beat kind of China B, which is no joke, um, and then they had to beat Finland. Um, neither of which are you know easy games, so they had a harder way. And it, I think it was pretty clear. Uh, if if you'd asked me at the start, I would have said it would have ended up, ended up being. Uh, Norway versus China. Although, you know, obviously incredible performances from Spain um, and incredible performances from Brazil as well. You know, I think the gal played out of his mind um, in a lot of those games. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think if we did a, uh, a weekly show, we could probably do recaps of every, or a lot more games. Uh, but I, I'm sticking to one and you'll probably see why when we get into the recaps. Uh, I went a little bit, I mean... I think people appreciate it, uh, but it's a lot of notes. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into our games. We're going to recap each of the games from the finals. All right. So uh, just before getting into our uh, Arabia game here, 
um, the Norway has chosen Huns and Mayans, uh, and China has chosen Franks and Ethiopians. Do you have anything about the Civ choices? Anything you want to say kind of going into this game number one? So I'd say this is a classic meta matchup where each team, they draft a cavalry Civ. Um, mm -hmm. So that's Huns and Franks. And then they draft an archer sieve, which is your Mayans and your Ethiopians. Overall, I'd say the stronger sieves belong to China here. Um, specifically, I think it's mainly just the Franks. Like Franks is the absolute top tier cavalry sieve at the moment. So I think off the bat, um, China China had the advantage. Um, For sure. So that's my view on the draft. Perfect, perfect. Uh, and let's get into what happened in this game, number one. Uh, so the game starts with MBL taking uh, a villager and takes out Yo's ostriches, uh, also walls in Yo's gold. So a very pesky villager to, to start us off. Uh, then uh, there's an archer rush from Yo that Viper takes care of. Uh, that's followed by a 2v1 attack against Viper with Ar archer and scouts. So uh, pressure being put on by Mr. Yo and Lex, Lex there. MBL counterattacks with crossbowmen to disrupt villagers. So I think that's another thing that's very common uh, as you kind of go through the games is when one team was being double teamed. Um, if you can't help your teammate, uh, counterattack to at least uh, relieve a little bit of pressure. Uh, that was followed by Lix counterattacking with crossbowmen. So uh, getting uh, getting a bunch of uh, Viper's woodline villagers. Um, what proceeded after that was light cavalry and crossbowmen fights all over the map. Uh, there's a nice little moment where castle and <laughs> I guess Viper gets a castle up in the, like in the nick of time and traps a bunch of, uh, um, I guess, uh, China A's, uh, army. Uh, I also put in a note here, mono battles, uh, because it seemed like most of the teams were using a singular unit, uh, which is something that I'm sure Jack can get into in a moment. Um, and the, the game kind of ends with a pal in the switch for Mr. Yo, uh, that kind of seals the deal against these kind of crossbowmen that are that are all over the map from MBL. So um, that is kind of the quick recap. Uh, yeah, what are some big takeaways from this game from you? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that. That you've mentioned just what you know. Why are they making a single unit? Um, so this is the classic meta: is that you don't make, uh, you only make gold units. So the archer player only makes crossbows or arbs, and the cavalry player you open with scouts usually and then you only make knights and it's just the dominant strategy gold units are better than units that don't cost gold um in a 1v1 you might make units that only make uh you only cost food and wood what we call trash units and that's because you have a limited supply of gold um but obviously in a 2v2 you've both got the the gold piles and you can just uh, and then later on you can add trade so you've got an infinite supply of gold so that's that's the combination that's the kind of the best way to play um my key takeaway from this game um was i think the biggest problem was viper not walling mm. and it's a very tempting thing to do because you're playing huns so huns don't have to build houses so you you don't you naturally don't build a house wall um and you just say right i'll play open uh and i'll add towers to defend and overall I honestly think that was a mistake and uh you saw it later on that the amount of pressure that he came under um you know from the cavalier from yo that then became paladins um the archers were always just walking into his base um he had no way to keep him out um so uh, first, yeah. go ahead no no no. i i was gonna say yeah this this first game was uh was a little bit of a wild ride uh when it came to that but it seemed like viper's also spawn position 
seemed a little closer if i remember i'm trying to you know when you watch all six of these games you, you, yep. they start to mix a little bit but i, I agree believe... mm -hmm. i agree that uh... Uh, viper spawned farther away uh, mm. from his teammate nbl than than the chinese teams did so it's a slightly slightly better spawn again uh yeah for team and it Final. felt like that was perhaps why so much pressure came viper's way uh just because he was isolated or so you know it, it felt like there was a lot of 2v1 situations that kind of end up happening because of that yeah and china china likes to pressure the the cav player i think both teams prefer to pressure the cav player and the reason is there you're taking advantage of the fact that uh archers are immobile and they they then have to walk across the map they're not standing behind the walls defending so in general uh in a 2v2 it's easier and better to pressure the cav player uh, like I said in the beginning of the, the episode, I feel like I'm going to learn so much from you just talking about these games. Uh, we'll continue on. Uh, so that was game number one. Uh, it, it looked like the the kind of, I guess, the Mr. Yo comes in and, and wins the game. Uh, a common theme uh, happened with with this Balladin switch. Um, all right, game number two happened on Scandinavia. Uh, and before I get into the recap, uh, Norway had Italians and Persians while uh, China had uh mongols and celts so what are you thinking of those civs going into game number two instinctively mongols and celts are much stronger mm. um, so mongols is an absolutely classic civ on scandinavia and the reason is on scandy you get free balls and mongols get the hunt bonus um mm. so it's just a standard standard pick uh and especially like the late game combination from mongols and celts is unstoppable and we actually got to see it uh, i'm sure everyone's seen kind of the clips on or the snips on reddit <laughs> of the uh the drill ram uh just zooming around knocking down trebs uh <laughs> so just on instinct it's i know why they played italians and persians because they're hybrid sieves they're good on both water and land if they're contesting both um it that's i think that's where their thinking was um but for me mongols and celts are the the clear winner was it was this the game th this might have been the game where i saw three trebs die to the ram. Uh, the ram, the ram, yeah. yeah. And it's the ram with drill, which makes it go. It's uh, like the meme is that it's like a Ferrari, right? It just moves <laughs> around. It goes super quick once you research that unique tech drill. Amazing, amazing. All right, let's get into the recap of this second game. Uh, so one of the first things that, ha that I noticed was Elix uh, shoots Viper's boar and builds a barracks near Viper's base. Um, and this is uh, interesting because I, I mean, I'm starting to notice, you know, kind of talking about what I'm learning from the games I'm seeing that uh, a lot of the times kind of taking out the opponent's boar or, or what else, other hunting things uh, is, is advantageous. Uh, and usually you can do that with one villager. So that's a nice little bonus. Uh, this is also the game where uh, the, the, the casters mentioned that Lix has been housed for a minute and a half. Um, but uh, Lix continues on and actually builds another base in MBL's base. So this was the game where Lix just went crazy and started building barracks all over the place inside or near uh, the opponents. Um, there's also at the same time, Viper and Yo are fighting over fishing ships. I guess Yo was really fighting and winning against M MBL when it came to the, uh, to the South side, I believe, uh, while Viper had control of the North side. Uh, so, so they're both kind of fishing in those areas. Uh, Lix uh, seems to be one applying pressure while Yo is hoping to boom. That's another note I made there. Um, there's also a forward workshop that pops up uh, and tries to pressure Viper. So it, it seems like, you know, uh, distracting one of the best or the best player in the world is, is a good, you know, good to have uh, Lex kind of doing that, making sure Viper can't just play his game. Um, he starts to pressure finally with Castle. 
uh and there's also a moment where uh viper doesn't seem to really be able to help mbl um i think there's a point where there's four castles in a row uh for mr yo uh viper's treb do try to counter it but eventually they get taken down uh after they take down two castles uh that's also the moment where the rams came in from i believe yo or or might have been what was it Lex or Yo who had the Rams that they took on the trips. Oh, that's Mr. Um, Yo. Yeah, it's a very like researching, uh, getting to siege ram and getting to drill is so expensive. Yeah. Mm, so, so, so there's no way with uh, Lex's continuous pressure that he no. could have been probably there, right? Uh, yeah. Well, let me keep going. Finish the recap here. Uh, MBL's Paladins help clear the trebs and onagers from Yo. So it kind of seems like Norway stabilized for a bit, um, but the game kind of swings back into China's favor and uh they take it uh getting their two and oh win which means i'd like to mention is that the civ choices that you've said have been favored in the beginning were also the the way the games went in this one any thoughts on this game number two on scandinavia yeah i mean i just thought licks played incredibly as you say laming he builds the four palisades around the vill that lets him lames the boar he puts pressure on viper um to delay viper but the the benefit the, the thing about Lix is he doesn't manage just to majorly delay one player that wouldn't be enough <laughs> he majorly delays two players um, which lets Yo win on water um, on his side lets him get that boom and as you said obviously uh, it looked the, the the and then I think he chose not only he put some pressure on Viper but then he chose to really commit to delaying MBL which was the right decision and the reason is MBL is a Cav player so this forces. Mm. This forces Viper um, to have to carry. Now he's playing uh, an archer sieve, and all you have to do is build castles. Archers are not mobile; they can't get past castles. Uh, they can't raid like like Mangadai can. Um, so I think the big weakness is that their carry was an archer player, um, and obviously with Mr. Yo carrying, you've got the Mangadai there that have the mobility that um, the Genoese crossbowmen don't have, um, and that 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 was. Uh, I say that was just masterful decision making. I think there from Licks, and you say he obviously got housed for a minute and a half. He it was housed while also uh, completely distracting and, and yeah. you know, getting I think he was still players. he was still in Dark Age when Viper got up to Castle, uh, <laughs> but that's because his mindset he is prior he is prioritizing delaying above everything. His own eco doesn't matter delay 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 and we see the benefit of it when how strong uh mr yo is able to become and how quickly 100 100 um and with that uh we go into game three which is on team acropolis uh the norway chose burmese and indians while uh, china chose cumans and Burmese. um once again i'll ask the same question that i asked before uh which team teams do you feel had the better draft here the better the better sieves going in um Hold it. It's Burmese and Indians versus Cumans and Berbers. Yes. Oh, Berber. Did I, did I misspell yeah, that? No. Sorry. So, I, I respelled. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this strat, they were expecting this strat um, because Norway played the same strat against Spain um, where they, they, I think it was Viper with an absolute massive Arambi that couldn't be stopped. And Tato was trying to go Monk defense against it. Um, so this is a strat that they'd seen before. Um, so actually, like, on paper here, um, mm. you would think that the... It's it's a very tricky... <laughs> it's a tricky matchup because the Indians really counter Cumans. 
because Cumans mm. are an absolute cavalry sieve. Indian gets the camels. Now, the Berber unique unit then counters uh, your camel archers, counter the Arambai. So actually, I, I think this is a very, very even matchup. Um, mm. And it all just comes down to execution. That's always a good sign, I feel. But I guess well, one thing you can say, it does seem, uh, at least for the first three games, that uh, you know uh, China's... Um, choices of sieves or draft seems like it's it's better perhaps like they got the better end of yeah the, uh, the first two games definitely they, i'd say they're outdrafted this game i think it's very even mm-hmm. um so the game starts off with uh viper having a forward archery range um so this is also the map where both teams are on a hill this giant hill correct um yo goes a second tc quickly because i believe he can get tc in feudal is that is that correct Yes. Is that why he's so able that's to the get unique, it? the very unique aspect of humans is their own. They're the only civ in the game that can build the second TC in feudal age. Uh, it potentially gives you a very big boom because very early on you're making more vills than your. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a double-edged sword. In the if you then come under pressure and you're unable to defend it because you have no army because you spent all your resources just massing vills. Um, so they're a very unique civ. Yeah, and that's a, that's exactly what MBL does. Build, builds a siege workshop, goes in on that town center that's undefended, um, and the the town center does end up going down, and all pretty much all of Yo's villagers go down as well right after, yeah. uh, which Norway definitely takes the lead from there. Um, Lex Lex puts a Ford castle in response and does some harassment with that. Uh, Camel archer is kind of from Lex getting uh, get a few villagers, um, but. You know, that's kind of Lix's last hope of trying to stay in the game. Sure, uh, that's, an think... all, that's an all in play there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the writing was on the wall when that TC went down uh, and the pressure that already, you know, came from the archery, forward archery range and towers uh, from the Norway side kind of leads them to victory there. Yeah, it was T- um, T90 and uh, I think Nilly both called it um, straight off the, off the bat that that TC should not go at the bottom of the hill it's very tempting to do it because you on a on acropolis you don't have good wood lines at the top of the hill mm. you have to expand so it's kind of tempting to do it but you're so isolated and vulnerable that it, it, it's a bad idea um to do so and we saw uh, we saw mbl there with the pressure with the mangonels with the extra damage uh from above and i i think you're right there it just as soon as that decision was made and then they came under that pressure the game was already over like you you'd almost have to but i think i think one thing that worked in uh in Nora's favor is the the tower pressure that's happening on the right side meant that you couldn't just focus all your defense on that town center right um and so as soon as you know both mbl and uh viper saw that and they both went for it uh, there's very little that 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 China could do in that opportunity. Yeah, and Ch- China weren't expecting Viper to play like that because of the because of the last game. They assumed the Burmese player would go into Massa Rambai, and actually mm. the Viper ended up playing like Licks plays, uh, like a delaying, <laughs> delaying trush, difficult, um, and that de- delayed the Berber player from helping the Cuban player because the Cuban player was playing greedy uh, with the two TC boom. Uh, once he came under pressure from the the Indians, which are in Castle Age, um, that's all she wrote. Hundred uh, percent. Okay, uh, so that it's two to one now uh, for uh, China A over Norway. Um, for the next ones, what I think I'll do is just because I, I realized I started writing more notes, which is surprising because I thought it would get less. But uh, you know, look at me writing more notes. Um, so what we'll do is uh, just jump in whenever you feel like you have a comment. 
uh, instead of kind of doing the, the run run and recap. Sure. Um, so game number four, uh, we have Nomad, uh, and it's the Spanish and the Malayans against the Lithuanians and the Koreans. Uh, I think one thing I want to actually talk about right away is the Korean choice was surprising to T90 and the other caster who, uh, you know, maybe you remember the name. Unfortunately, I do not. Yeah, um, Nilly. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't Nilly in that time, was it? It was someone else who was casting that. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar <laughs> with myself, actually. They can uh, have Dave, me. I think it was Dave. There we go. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they chose Koreans, uh, which I think later in the interview, after the after the uh, show match, uh, I believe Yo said that, oh no, that's totally fine. You guys are crazy. It surprised um, me as well. I, I didn't expect the Korean pick, and now I see the strength of it. So that's me learning as well there. It, it's specifically for that map, right? For Nomad, I think. I think yeah, and that, Nomad was the first pick uh, by, by China. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, speaking of I guess Nomad being that first pick, uh, we got a very interesting thing where two TCs happen to appear in the same spot, and I I learned that you're allowed one restart before the four minute mark per series uh, because of the randomness feature, right? They have a random. Um... Sure, yeah. you can you can use you can you can use and abuse that as well. Um, so you can go for like high risk strategies like trying to lame and then just call a restart things like that. We can only use it once, right? Correct. So I think most. Yeah. So it's most risky teams, to do that if you need it later. Yeah. Yeah, most teams tend to save it. Um, I think they're they're also talking about it in the uh, in the casting that uh, we should, you know, we used to give more, but now we only give one, and so that makes it like it really has to be a, a valid reason to restart because uh, then you might lose it. Um, and it's actually, I think, it was interesting because Yo called the restart, but it looked like. Uh, uh, what was it? MBL might do it <laughs> yeah because they're both right beside each other uh but the restart is called and I thought that was kind of funny that they don't see each other and then and then wow look at that TC's right beside each other uh yeah okay uh let's <laughs> let's get into the restart game I just thought I'd mention it because I thought it was funny uh all right everybody gets docked the, the economy kind of starts off um so that's the big thing about the Marlians pick here is that um because they get a discount bonus on the wood buildings um it means that they can make a fishing ship straight away where the other civs mm. can't so that that's 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 the reason you see that pick is that they can immediately build a dock they can build the tc and they can get a fishing ship out um and that's that's the strength for them so they get that early eco boost and that's why they get picked on this map nice nice uh and then i guess one of the b- big first events is that two barracks are kind of built right beside each other near uh, yo's town center i believe it is mlb's uh or mbl's <laughs> every time i see that i want to say mlb mbl's uh barracks there uh right beside each other um and they're both trying to build towers but you kind of wins especially with his town center being so close i think um yeah he messed up he put the he put the tower in range of the tc actually <laughs> um which is unfortunate um it also happens that viper has a mark in stone right beside that base there uh and so uh you'll gets a tower to deny that stone um, so which is enormous, which is enormous against Spanish, because he want the reason you pick Spanish is to get into Conks, uh, their mm. unique unit, which is a really strong mobile unit. And so if you can delay the stone, they can't get the castles up, um, mm. they can't get the production up. Uh, so again, I think that was a that's a massive factor in that game. Yeah, yeah, and it seemed like you could you could say right away that was that was a big turning, or I guess a big starting point for for where the game led. Uh, I also want to mention there was this one galley from Lex that was just harassing and running away the whole time uh, and escaping. And so there's just all these singular galleys. 
so he, he Lix wasn't even trying to win the the um the the battle at sea shall we say uh but he was just trying to harass those fishing fishing ships and it was quite su- successful at it um there's also a point where Lix makes a castle near mbl's bait uh near mbl's castle um so there's that's kind of where the push starts uh and war wagons are about to appear um viper walls around villagers and makes a castle to take back the middle of the map oh that was another thing uh where where there's production units i believe um and there was just a castle that viper placed also viper placed like three or four castles in a row uh on this one because they were very much fighting for that middle area Yeah, it's all about map control isn't it we, we control the map with castles and the reason you need castles is it's a really good way to counter conks is that you build the castles and they can't run through they take too much damage um so yeah it's all about map control 100%. And uh, yeah, War Wagons are definitely starting to become a factor, the unique unit from uh, Koreans. Um, so Lick's kind of getting in on, on the fighting that's happening. Uh, MBL ends up running away and kind of hiding behind Viper's base. So um, this is a point in the game where Viper and MBL are kind of stuck to that north side of the map. Um, MBL then continues to push with War Wagons and Rams and actually does lose a few trying to take down a TC at one point. Um, yeah, key viper castles are happening all over the place and viper's trying to fight over stone and gold with another castle so uh yeah there's this was an interesting game because i think a lot of times we'll have games where there's a million things happening all over the map while in this particular one it seemed like there was a very key area of the map where everybody was gathered uh in that kind of northern part of part of it um yeah war wagons versus key stores are happening uh and i guess (laughs) Uh, I put Trebs finally show up with a thousand castles on the map as in, uh, yeah, it felt like there were so many castles that eventually everyone got trebuchets out. Um, Viper does manage to break some of them, uh, some of those castle lines down, but I think uh, they, Norway realizes that, that they are kind of resource starved uh, compared to the other two who have most of the map. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole game NBL was trying to regain on water. So you actually saw there that, Usually it's kind of Yo's role to kind of carry, but actually ended up being Licks this game. And I think that's just mm. kind of the way it worked out. And it was um, obviously Mr. Yo and NBL fighting on water. Um, and we just we just saw Licks kind of get the, the upper hand there um, with the map control, with the starvation. Um, and then obviously with the push, these players are so high level, they don't need to play it out all the way to the end. You know, that they can see they can see when it's over. They know that, China's not going to make any, you know, any huge mistakes. Uh, and I think they'd rather save themselves for the next match. It's kind of funny. Yeah, so so China actually goes up 3-1 uh, to one there. Uh, I was going to say it's kind of funny because I think a lot of high-level chess players will say that uh, the last hour of a game sometimes is one person already, both the people already know who's going to win and you're just hoping they mess up once, right? Um, I think, especially with a game like Age of Empires, that can be so draining. Just like, you know you're losing, but you're like, well, if they really mess up, you know, if they really mess up, we might be able to drag ourselves out of this. Um, but I think, especially players at, at this level, they kind of know when the writing's on the wall. Um, and I imagine most people, you know, rather not play 20 minutes while they know they're losing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, and they call it. And I think I think that this ending might have surprised everyone, right? Um but I think, you know, another 20 minutes and then they would have won that eventually. So uh, I, I don't really see a lot with that choice. Um, yeah, I guess never say never is is, is a tough uh, slogan to to, to <laughs> live by with Age of Empires sometimes because it's so cruel and, and, and drool it, or I guess draining sometimes at the end of the game. Um, 
yeah, let's let's continue on. Game number five uh, in Valley. Uh, you have the Sarsians and the Malay uh, versus the Magyars and the Tatars. Um, I, yeah, do you have any reaction on these? Because I think you were saying the was it the Malaysians or was it Malay? Is is that what's, yeah what's Malay? The yeah, so this was a very surprising draft for us. Um, obviously, we see the Tatars, which we talked about earlier. They're that recently buffed Civ, and I think that's why you're seeing them because they're their strength now. Um, the surprise was Malay. Uh, the, so Saracens, absolutely standard archer pick. Um, they get what's, what we call it market abuse. I know Vipers mm-hmm. call it broken, so they can sell their initial stone, which we saw in that game, uh, gets them gold, They can and they can get up very, very quick. And then their archers are literally like siege because of the bonus against buildings. Um, so, But the surprise pick was Malay. They are not a typical cavalry sieve. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually in a Discord watching the game. It took us a while to figure out what the strat was here um and the strat was and i'm not sure if it's something they prepared um it's all about the castle age power spike so once the cross crossbow comes in for saracens now malay fast elephants is a kind of a known strat that's decent um the reason is malay go up to the next age quicker um so that lets them have a bigger eco um once they click up and then hit the castle age the same time as the opponent and they also then get the cheaper elephant. So the Malay elephant flood um, was actually what we ended up seeing. Um, as I say, this game was completely outside of the usual meta. This was a real surprise. Um, and perhaps this is where Norway's kind of playing their best when they're doing something new, they're improvising. Um, yeah, continue with the breakdown if you don't yes, mind. Yes, yes. Uh, this is where, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, this is where I noticed the... Uh... Three militia plus scout is something that's, that's very common, uh, and I continue to notice this after this. Um, but that's the push that uh, Lick sends out to Viper's base. Um, Viper has a bunch of archers against China's uh, crossbowmen and scouts, uh, and then MBL gets elephants, which I put in all caps, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, and they t- end up working because I think more than anything, they allowed themselves well. The elephants were beefy enough to to kind of allow the archers to do their thing. So while there was a lot of fights that would eventually have uh, knights kind of going in on the crossbowmen, um, I think the elephants did provide like a, a wall for for a lot of the uh, crossbowmen to to be able to do things. Um, I, I put here the teams meet up near Lix's base. Um, Norway gets into Lix's base and China wipes up Viper's crossbowmen. So this was a big. This for me was a massive turning point. Up to that point. I feel like Norway are looking so strong. Um, so they've got the elephants. They've got this, this. We call them siege bows, the siege crossbows. They take a really bad fight. Um, they take a really bad engagement. And the reason is elephants are so slow. And so the knights from Yo are able to outmaneuver the elephants and get this around on the crossbowmen and clear off all the crossbowmen where you really want the elephants to be the meat shield. Um, so they take a really bad engagement there. Um, but if you continue kind of the breakdown, we actually see it ends up swinging back in Norway's favor. It, it does. It does. It, it, there's there's a point where I maybe China over pushed, right? Um, but all of Lix's army kind of gets stuck in between Vipers and MBL's base. And so they, they take it out. Um, and then actually another fight goes in Norway's favor. So um, it looks like it's swinging. This, this, this is probably the most back and forth game, I feel, uh, yeah. throughout the set. Um, because another fight goes in Norway's favor. Uh, Norway switches focus to Yo's base. 
Um, and this might have actually been a mistake because they, they went back to Lix, uh, Lix's base, decided not to attack it again because that was, I think, their mistake earlier on. Um, or at least it didn't work out. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe just the execution was the mistake. Um, but then uh, there's a moment where um, Viper and MBL's army is behind uh, Yo's base on the north side. Um, and I think that's a very disadvantageous position because... Uh, like the reinforcements are coming from your opponent a lot faster than yours are yep. when you're at that point. So while that's nice, the idea of kind of like running through because it's your full army, they kind of get swarmed. Um, and that allows China to end up putting pressure back on licks because they're able to, to kind of clear that up. Um, but then later Viper gets into Yo's base with crossbowmen, uh, kind of trying to distract, uh, yep. distract him as the pressure is being put on licks. Um, and this might actually allow MBL's, elephants to join back in with Yo's base how are you kind of feeling about this kind of big skirmish that's happening on the yeah so i mean for me again the big turning point begins where um obviously the power spike again every time you age up uh with archers you get a massive power spike so once the arb comes in you get things like chemistry um you get the new range upgrade everything they that that ball of that ball of arbalest arrives at mr yo's base what's he going to do because they can knock down buildings (laughs) <laughs> he starts knocking down a stable. We were thinking he was going to knock down all the stables, take out the production. He only knocks yeah. down one to get in. Um, and <laughs> then the paladin come, right? Um, mm. so you, you see the paladin from Mr. Yo. But he manages to get all of his arbs. And it's a bit of a, I'd almost call it a bug. It's a bug in favor of Archer player. In Age of Empires 2, you can take <laughs> 40 arbs and you can get them on a single tile. And the way that you do it is you patrol into a wood line you patrol into a gold mine and they all group up um, and then you then you got them all on a single tile. Now, for whatever reason, Mr. Yo thought he was going to win that fight and it's probably from game one. Uh, he saw a similar thing where he was able to clear out, but in this particular case, because they're all just on a single tile, he wasn't able to and he saw it a couple of times where he got this around. He thought he killed them. He sends some of the paladins away, just, oh, leave the last you know four paladin to clear up. There's still 40 arbs there. it's a visual thing you can't see that that unless you can't select them all so you can't actually see how many are there and for me that was a turning point there uh where where norway won the game well yeah if you think about it if they're spread out that means you know all your all your paladins can actually get to those like lines and slowly decrease it right but because they're all kind of in uh, you know maybe you have two or three that can attack at once and they're all in against the wood line so you can only attack them from two (laughs) sides you know exactly. the, the big thing about getting archers you want to get the surround of cav but if they're all mm. tight in a wood line you can't get the damage <laughs> you need siege to kill that on a single tile um and i think mr you just misread that situation um a little bit of poor judgment on his place and I, th- I think it cost him the game yeah and then at least it actually yo's tc's going down i think they end up clearing that 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 group um but i also like to mention is after they do clear that that group there's a point where viper has all these like different uh uh or would i call them arbalists at this point the crossbowmen oh yeah um, they are, they, at that point in the game they are arbs yeah are arbs so you have arbs kind of all over Lix's back line uh getting his villagers um and the game is turning around kind of norway's favor because of viper here uh v- back and forth the game continues um but mbl kind of gets also gets down with his elephants towards Lix's base um and norway is able to take it three to two uh, so there, there is game number five. 
Uh, any other kind of thoughts on that game uh, before we continue on? To yeah, well, I'm, I'm just I'm glad I'm glad we saw that performance there. Uh, I say for me that was a standout game. You know, I, we don't want to see a clean sweep from China. We don't want to see a four-one. I would have loved to have seen it go to game seven. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. But we did get treated to 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 game six, which was um, this map is a bit of a meme. Um, I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce it. Yes, yes. Let's get into Chaos Pit, uh, the old game number six in the series. Tudins and Aztecs for Norag and Slavs and Incas for uh, China. Um, it, I mean, I love these kind of games where it's just it's a little faster and there's just a lot. But uh, how do you feel about this map? <laughs> so yeah, I said I've called this map a meme, um, and it it's just crazy. You know, just to recap, obviously you've got the center with no gold. Um, and all the golds on the outside, but it's the, you're split from the inside to the outside um, by wood that you have to chop to get to the outside to get your. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason you see the pick of Aztecs because Aztecs start with 50 more gold, um, so you're able to get a drush off, you're able to get man at arms off. Um, with other civs, you just can't because you you don't get access to the gold. Um, with this with this map, I think though it's very fitting um, that we. I'd say I think the MVP um, obviously has been Licks, and mm-hmm. this was his kind of crowning performance on this map. Um, and with this sieve, Incas, um, it's one of the most annoying sieves in the game. Um, obviously, the Vils, the Vils get blacksmith upgrades, uh, which <laughs> makes Vil fighting impossible. I think MBL tried it to his own <laughs> to his own detriment. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So. If you want a quick recap of this game, uh, three militia pressure, pressure starts off with MBL, uh, and then it kind of turns into tower wars. So everyone's trying to build towers and villagers, and uh, either you know repair their tower or, or attack the other tower with their villagers, uh, hopping in and out of the tower. That you're seeing a lot of that. Um, but Lex's pressure on MBL starts to work. It gets to a point where MBL isn't even farming, uh, yep. and that really is the game. You know, I it's very entertaining, uh, but there isn't much more kind of strategically to a bunch of tower tower fighting and elix uh with the inca bonus and just just i guess um you know I, you have to say there's a little bit about playing but i don't know how much you can attribute to it regardless it works out in Lix's favor uh, so you could argue you could fight. argue it's just a sieve win that incas yeah. <laughs> incas is a sieve win on this map um but i i guess i will give Lix his credit there obviously it's very annoying at the start walling in uh, kind of mbl's resources mm-hmm. Um, now the original tower placement, I think, was a little bit off from Lix. Uh, the reason is because Tutans um, Tutans get a bonus. Mm. Um, so Tutans, you can gather ten vils in a tower, whereas other civs you can only get gather five. So that gives you more. Um, it lets you shoot more arrows. Mm. Um, but this is again credit to Lix. He managed to make it work, um, trushing the Tutan player denying the farm so one of the tutans big bonus is they can build farms much cheaper than other civs they can build them for 40 wood instead of 60. um but then if you build the towers around his base um that then denies all those <laughs> farms around the tc right um yeah, yeah. and then he then switched the pressure there to mbl mbm mbl was the one that was kind of cutting from the outside it was in the, the targeted chopping um so he switched the pressure and again all this time um you know, flawlessly executed what all Mr. Yo is doing, absolutely standard boom um, into cavalry. Um, again, basically, Lix managed <laughs> to completely delay 
both NBL and Viper by the time um, for the Slav player, Mr. Yo, to, to get to Castle Age, to get the cavalry I, yeah. and just carry the game. I will say the difference, I guess, I guess, between this game and game number two even is that while in game number two, his pressure was effective, in this one, it pretty much outright won the game, right? Oh, yeah, uh, this was, a, this was yeah. Yeah, he, he literally won the game in Feudal Age, you could say. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so uh, congrats to uh, China A for winning it. Um, so Mr. Yo and uh, Lix take the grand prize. Entertaining games. Uh, I like the aggression. I like how uh, they kind of developed uh, over the games. Um, there's something to 2v2, I think, that is very entertaining. Uh, maybe a little little different than uh, than the 1v1s. Um, I think there are some RTS games where in general 2v2 can kind of not live up. But I really like how 2v2 plays out in uh, in AoE. Um, and I think it does balance sometimes, balance out the civs a little bit, right? Uh, where you don't just, you know, in a 1v1, if you have the the, the strong civ advantage, 2v2 balance out a little bit just because there is a little more variability. It gives, yeah, it gives chance for civs to shine that otherwise wouldn't, I think, uh, because they complement each other. Um, for me, the, the key takeaway here is that uh, Team Norway have the best two individual players mm-hmm, mm-hmm. china has the best team um the way that they complement each other the way that licks buys time um for mr yo for me that's the you know i think they've that was a very much a deserved win for them uh and i think they they taught us a lot about the game as well um that two players playing different roles is more effective than two individual players um even if they're even if they are stronger yeah, it, it's a, it's kind of funny to think about that that Lix's play style really worked for for this kind of two v two tournament, right? It's uh, his his constant pressure in one v one games can can be detrimental to him, but if there's another player backing him up, uh, it's it definitely works in their favor. And I think I think there's probably I imagine I mean I don't know how many teams would would do this on purpose, but I imagine maybe uh, if there is future two v two tournaments that. Um, that you know, some some teams might take from this and kind of decide to have this uh, macro micro player, shall we say, right? You know, yeah, one player, absolutely, one absolutely. Player moving, yeah. One player uh, doing a little more of that aggression uh, early on. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think that's great. Uh, there's a recap of the grand finals and the two v two World Cup. Uh, so congrats to the winners. Um, and I think that's actually where we'll kind of we'll kind of end it today. So um, maybe any final thoughts, Jack? Kind of the first episode uh you know we talked we talked to over an hour uh what are your i guess <laughs> feelings uh maybe feelings about the tournament feelings about the the podcast this episode takeaways uh feel free here <laughs> yeah i say just absolutely uh a stunning final obviously big thanks to you know people like t90 you know hosting it casting it the, the prize money uh gives the opportunity gives us something to to talk about you know i think it's a good episode um i hope we kind of do something similar you know there might not be a tournament necessarily next time for us to follow up on but again we could talk about our experiences something else you could do um for robert is kind of send across a game you've played um mm. so I kind of have, have a look at it um i'll let you Ooh. talk about it give your your opinions um and then i can kind of maybe perhaps give a little breakdown uh oh that's you know, perfect i mean if i'm gonna the strengths and the weaknesses you know yeah, if I'm gonna stream a little bit, I, I can definitely send you a link to that, and you can you can choose which which of those games you want to see. Make fun of me. Uh, for I'll, watch it, but that, I'll watch them all. I'll watch them all. 
<laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can uh, choose the one you thought was the most hilarious. Um, I will say, yeah, just just once again, fair warning. Um, I I can kind of do the most standard of normal builds uh, and nothing else. So it is a lot of uh, making up as I go, which I enjoy. Um, I think, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I I I currently still don't have any intention of being really competitive because um, I think it's more fun that way. Uh, and It'll grow on only- you. You'll grow on you before you know it. Yeah. You'll uh, you'll be competing um, in the hidden cup. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let's be careful uh, what I wish for. Um, uh, I've, I've mentioned this as well before, right? There's only so many games you can you can be actively uh, getting better at, uh, and I I tend to set, uh, stretch myself myself too thin at times. Um, but you know, perhaps perhaps as as these podcasts continue, uh, I'll slowly be uh, roped in, shall we say? Um, anyway. Uh, the next episode, uh, you know, for those, you know, I guess recap, if you if you do want to watch that stream, Tuesday, December 29th, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Um, yeah, if you want to want to catch me in a week. Um, but for the next podcast, that will be out. Um, the I imagine it'll be sometime around maybe the 13th or the 20th of January. So Mid-January, we'll say. Mid-January, uh, the next show will be out. Uh, Chris, hopefully, will be back on. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have the three squad. That might be fun. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, I guess special, you know, big thank you to everyone who's been supporting us. If you, you know, you want to help us out, just tell people about the podcast. That's the best thing you can do. Uh, and from myself, from Jack, from from Chris, not here today. Uh, we thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to. Uh, you hope you will, we hope you will hear us in in the future uh, as well, and we continue listening to the show. So uh, special, you know, big big shout outs, big thanks. Uh,